to discuss the novel slash audio book, The Galactic... Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. <clears throat> How's it going, Jeff? How are you doing over there? <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the... Per- What's can't off the rails? Really, can't you just say... Yeah, let me just do the... Uh, let me just go to the... We're joined by... everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski. And I'm Todd Mack. This week we are joined by special guest Jeff Dumas from the Fandom Podcast to discuss the novel slash patio book, The Galactic Football League, The Rookie. Welcome, Jeff. Ah, praise high one for blessing your journey. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> the second I knew I was doing this, I'm like, oh, that's my intro. Praise <laughs> high one. Yes. Drop praise in some high uh, one. Some quotes from uh, the Galactic Football League. For any listeners who are unfamiliar, that is coming from the text we're discussing today. Uh, Jeff, uh, I already said you're from the Fandom Podcast, and we've had your co-hosts on before, but you want to tell any listeners who are just dropping by for the first time what you guys do over on the Fandom Podcast? Uh, sure. We talk about literally anything. Uh, <laughs> we spent 45 minutes on Pride and Prejudice one day. So we, we talk about all things nerdy. <laughs> Is basically yeah. What that's uh, that's totally crazy. I don't know how anybody I would ever not do. imagine a bunch of guys talking <laughs> well, about Jane Austen. For... What, what's next? Wuthering Heights. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You guys intentionally said, "Hey, today we're talking about Pride and Prejudice." Ours was, "Hey, someone wrote in and said I really like Pride and Prejudice," and so we read their email. I, the, I think the rest of the episode is about Pokemon, honestly. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice and Pokemon. If that combination yeah. interests you, the fandom podcast is for you. Uh, what I one thing I do enjoy about your podcast is you oh, like you have a topic that you're talking about each week, which rotates around a very wide array of fandom topics, geek friendly topics. But you also uh, spend the first chunk of, of your podcast going over current news, so it keeps me up to date on what's going on in the geek entertainment sphere. Right. It gives me an excuse to look up stuff like that. <laughs> like, oh hey there was a trailer for this the inhumans released what i'm in yeah all right That's uh fun. and where could listeners find more information about the fandom podcast if they're interested uh well you go to your favorite podcatcher and look for the fandom podcast or i believe it is the uh, fandompodcast.com or the fandom podcast and Facebook. we do definitely recommend the fandom podcast to you listeners highly all right. Uh, if you are unfamiliar, as I was before Jeff asked us to talk about this, with the Galactic Football League, uh, a quick version of this. Uh, this was a novel that was written by Scott Sigler, and it is a story set 700 years in the future, in which mankind is no longer alone. They have peopled other planets, but other planets already had aliens on them. Uh, and so now there is this uh, this uh, interspecies uh, galactic society. And this story follows Quentin Barnes, a human quarterback who is trying to make it in the immensely popular Galactic Football League. And in the Galactic Football League, different species have uh, uh, often take on different roles on the team. You know, be it offensive line uh, for bigger aliens or the faster aliens are wide receivers or safeties. Uh, and Quentin Barnes is a human quarterback and you could kind of think of this uh, as a mashup of Star Trek, where they use science fiction to uh, deal with uh, with social issues and, and provide some commentary, and Remember the Titans, where they use sports to provide some social commentary. Uh, I think if, if you just think of it along those lines, you'll get a good taste for what's coming with Galactic Football League, with, with a lot of sport action as well. I like that uh, that description. The one that they have in the in the little what's it the little like pre-intro on the patio book is star wars meets the godfather meets the blind side and i just i didn't really get that <laughs> out of this but i like your uh, star trek versus star trek and remember the titans that totally works for me jeff since you recommended this to us and i know todd and i were exposed to the back to football league for the first time in the last couple of weeks as we listened to the podcast version of this uh, story, uh, but how did you come to discover the uh, Galactic Football League? Uh, so way back when, before I knew what a podcast was or even how to download it, uh, podcasts were a thing, but Scott Sigler did the Nerdist podcast, which my dad was very much into. He listened to it every chance he got, and he plugged it on there. He said, yeah, I've got this football book, and publishers were having a hard time. I was having a hard time getting books published, so he recorded them himself and my dad thought i'd really like it 
And he downloaded it onto my iPod. The first half, I think, was available at the time. And he, after I listened to all that, I went back and said, all right, show me how to do this myself. So <laughs> so, so it was my first podcast, if you think about it. The, the GFL awesome. was. And now look at me. <laughs> Podcaster yourself. Yeah. Who knew what addiction was being set off by that <laughs> by the choice of your dad? Uh, yeah, so um, I had not even heard of the series before you suggested it, and uh, I do love the fact that it is entirely available as a podcast. So uh, Scott uh, Sigler is uh, the author. This is available as a book, an ebook, or an audiobook through like audible.com, or you could just search. Uh, I found it. You couldn't search Galactic Football League to find it as a podcast, or at least it wasn't coming up for me when I did that. But when I put in Scott Sigler and The Rookie, it came up right away. So the if tech- this sounds interesting to you listeners, that is the way to find it for free. And it's a very well-produced audiobook version that's released as the podcast. It's easiest to search The Rookie. That's yeah, the quickest that's, way to find it as a podcast. Yeah, The Rookie, Galactic Football League, book one. I, I was so impressed by his uh, reading. He's really good. He yeah, a, he's a like great a narrator. Million voices. Yeah, he's a great narrator. Well, his computer helps out a lot. <laughs> and they do have uh it's one of those audiobooks where they add some background sound effects and some background music not like constant throughout, but to accent certain moments you will get those things happening. I thought it worked pretty well. All right. Uh well, we would just like to uh, ask our listeners if you enjoy this podcast to help us out a little bit to be able to keep doing it. Every month we provide you with over four hours of content and hopefully entertainment. And if that is worth a quarter per hour to you, we would just ask that you go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with a $1 uh, donation per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level will receive access to special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films or talk about trailers for upcoming films. But all patrons who support us at the $5 per month level get to choose a topic for us to discuss so you could ask us to talk about anything and we will try and do that uh some trivia about galactic football league uh i didn't have a whole lot but um at present there is a or there are five novels uh in the galactic football league series as well as four novellas and i know all five novels are available as free podcasts that you could listen to but i don't know about the novellas jeff do you know uh, I know, I believe he's working on them. I think the reporter is available. Um, but they all are available on Audible if, you know, if, if you're into that. Right. Uh, uh yeah, they're, uh, I have a piece of trivia. All of his books take place in the same universe. Oh, so, so he's an author of, I think it was like 16 novels or so. So all of the, know, all the other ones also, uh, are, I mean, are they not in like the future, same future timeline as Galactic Football League? Uh, it's so it's weird. The rest of his stories take place modern day. Okay, uh, the, that I've read, but there's Our a book, current day. Current, yeah. There's a book called Ancestor, where a character from an, one of his trilogies meets a character from the GFL series in <laughs> there, and it's like, oh, that that moment kind of blew my mind. Of oh, hey, all these books are joint. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and. I have started listening to the next uh, book in the GFL series. Are all five of the main books, do they follow the same uh, the same character, Quentin? Yes, they are all Quentin Barnes. They're all his story. The from novellas the titles, take Yeah. From the titles, I was guessing the novellas are like side stories of other characters. Yes. So in, in book two, you'll meet a detective. I don't know if you've gotten that far yet. The, the novella, The Detective, is a story about him doing something for Quinn. Oh, okay. So the novellas are, are all within this universe and you can even line up timelines if you like. So, yeah. Okay. So yeah, like if you, if you're finishing book two, you might want to go do this novella, that sort of thing. Yeah. I would, I personally would read the proper books, the, the five soon to be six. He's writing number six currently and then go back and read the novellas. Okay. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, at the beginning, he referred to this as a patio book. And, uh, he said, as far as he knew, this was the first time an author released a book chapter by chapter as a podcast. And he coined the term patio book to describe that. And <laughs> <laughs> let's just bring a, bring a smile to his face every time he says the word <laughs> pa- patio book. I it really must. Um, 
And if you listen to these, uh, it mentions that he is a New York Times bestseller, and it is under the category Young Adult Ebook for a trilogy that he wrote called The Generations Trilogy. Uh, and I think that was initially, I don't know if it is in print now, but it was initially only released uh, as an electronic copy, and it, the first uh, book in it premiered at number one on the New York Times Young Adult Ebook list. I will confirm that those are in cop, those are physical books now. Oh, as well? Okay. I could send you a picture if you'd like. Uh, I, I trust your word. <laughs> I own all of his books. Okay. He he quickly became the author that, you know, everyone has that one author who, it doesn't matter what the story is about, it's written by him, I'm going to get this book. Yeah. I Yes. I, I, and particularly, like, as, uh, like, young readers, like, when you're first getting into, uh, you know, there's a series that grabs you. Uh, like, you'll follow that author. I, I, I remember doing that as an adolescent reader. Um, and getting into those. All right. Uh, well, listeners, before we get into Todd's full synopsis of this book, we would just remind you to take advantage of great deals on Amazon by making your purchases through protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon. It looks like regular Amazon to you and it costs the exact same, but we get a little kickback from Amazon whenever you use that link and we really appreciate it. So Todd, why don't you go ahead and hit us now with the full synopsis of Galactica football league, the rookie. Okay. Um, I I feel like I've kind of simplified this um, by not re- referencing specific names of races of aliens. <laughs> um, so if you feel like uh, that's a big problem, then you can stop me at any moment. But oh, I'm going to uh, apologize in advance for any time I interrupt you during this. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Uh, so this story, uh, the story starts with our hero, Quentin Barnes, and he's playing on a third-tier all-human football team in uh, sort of these, like, smaller outer, outer rim planets. Um, and the, the planets are called the Purest Nation because they believe that humans are the purest uh, race. And Quentin is a very, very good quarterback. Uh, but because he is human, most people don't think he has much of a chance of making it in the big leagues uh, which would be tiers two and tiers one, tier one. Uh, because he is so good, however, he is traded to a tier two team, uh, the Krakens. And his purest nation coach wants him to stay because of his racist religious beliefs, because of the coach's uh, racist religious beliefs, because um, in the purest nation football players and in most of the galaxy, football players are, um, they're like, uh, uh, like deity or clergy or something. <laughs> Um, and Quentin to tells a, him to a single race, they're religious figures to a certain race of aliens, not the whole universe. Well, the, the Sklerno see them as deity, but the Pierce nation, it's like the whole church is built up around football, isn't it? I mean, they're all like, they, they worship the high one, but they, all the football players have, they wear robes and they have tattoos. And oh, that's stuff. not the robes and tattoos are not the football players. That's just the church. The infinity symbol and blue robes mean a confirmed member of the church, and you can't do a lot in the Pierce Nation without being confirmed. And lots of the football players are confirmed. Yeah. Okay. Quinn doesn't. But, but I think Quentin that's, doesn't, he's that's not really into it. Yeah, they're not. Uh, the the football players aren't like a mark of the religion. Just the football players are religious. Correct. Yes. Okay. So then Quentin uh, leaves the Pierce Nation, and he arrives at the combine and its former prison. And someone tells him some historical stuff about previous war between aliens, and there's some crazy testing in which <laughs> this makes uh, the uh, the testing at the beginning of Ghostbusters look uh, completely up to uh, up to up to uh, standards, any any and all standards. So Quentin is tricked in an interrogation uh, into believing that he is going to die, that he's going to be killed, and so he breaks the shackles and runs. And that's how they test his speed and agility. It's totally, totally messed up. And decision-making. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they say, oh, yeah, we, we put you in a situation where you, you're actually running for your life because it's the only way to test how, some, how fast somebody actually is. Uh, so then on the second day, Quentin has a physical exam, and he's shocked to see that his doctor is an alien. And uh, Quentin has no injuries because he has basically never been hit. <laughs> he's, he is that good. Uh, and at this time, we see that Quentin harbors a secret hope of finding his parents, uh, since he never knew them, and he grew up in the mines um, in uh, one of these outer planets. So then Quentin meets some of his new rookie teammates. They're all terrifying aliens, or not? Uh, many of them are terrifying aliens. Some of them are human. 
Uh, one of them wants to kill him. One of them is betting on whether Quentin will stay alive or not. <laughs> and uh, nobody gives uh, Barnes much of a chance. But the starting quarterback, uh, Don Pine, of the Kraken. So the Kraken's starting quarterback, his name is Don Pine. And he's getting old. And so Quentin thinks he's going to be able to pass him up for the starting job. And, and uh, Pine is human also. So Quentin practices a lot. Pine has blue skin, which is something that he's a kind of like, uh, do it. Can you trust him? Type thing. So yeah, he's right. A bad, for someone he's from the pure nation, they don't blue trust skin. humans with blue skin. So Quentin practices a lot in this 3D simulator, and he uh, needs a lot of practice because he throws a lot of interceptions. <laughs> um, because the game is just so much faster with these super fast alien receivers and de- uh, defensive backs. That can jump twenty five. Well, and also feet one one detail that I liked, yeah, the jumping that it's like it's adding the another dimension to the football game that he never had with humans because the yeah. aliens can leap so high. They can jump twenty five feet in the air, and uh, so Quentin makes lots of mistakes, and his new coach Hokor uh, really chews him out a lot. Uh, and Quentin um, is fascinated by the fact that in his new training facility, he has access to every football game ever televised. He can watch. Um, from the very beginning of television. Uh, a great line of football, humans invented football before they even invented color. Yeah. Because the <laughs> transmission wasn't televised in color. So, so at the very first practice, Quentin has a hard time uh, getting the timing right. He throws a bunch of interceptions. Hokor singles him out in front of everybody. Pine tries to be nice, but Quentin is really struggling to believe that the starter would be nice to him uh, because Quentin is gunning for Pine's job. And Pine tells Quentin he needs to get over his racism. Uh, practice continues to be a struggle. We find out in a private conversation, however, that Hokor thinks that Quentin could be the best. He could be great. Uh, because, and he's also working really, really hard uh, in the simulator. And then Pine sends some of the receivers to help Quentin out. Uh, but he hates Pine even more for it because he thinks he's trying to make fun of him or sabotage him in some way. He just can't believe that Pine could actually be trying to help him. Now they travel to meet up with the rest of the team and have their first full practices, and Barnes gets creamed, and Hoko tries to help him, but basically everybody's just really frustrated at this point, and uh, Quentin ends up running uh, lots and lots and lots of laps because he makes lots of mistakes, and he has to run with one of his alien teammates who wants to kill him. Uh, Quentin is exhausted after practice, and he wants to take a shower, but in the human locker room there are only nanite showers. And if he wants a water shower, he has to go shower in the locker room with the big uh, scary aliens, and he won't go because he is a racist. Uh, first game, Barnes gets in late uh, because his team is winning. Pine is, uh, turns out, a really good quarterback. Uh, so they're winning big, and uh, Barnes gets in, and Hokor calls a running play, and Quentin gets hit really hard. And then he gets really, really mad, and he calls an audible, which is uh, when he changes the play that the coach... So the coach tells him, do this thing, and an audible is when he does something else. Uh, so he ends up throwing a long touchdown pass, and Hokor puts him on the bench because he did not uh, obey his coach. So Barnes goes out for a night on the town, and he meets some purist nation people, and they're really nice to him, but he's starting to feel just kind of weird about his racist tendencies. And then the next game, uh, Pine gets a broken femur, and uh, Barnes comes in. Once again, he disobeys Hokor because he thinks he knows better than his coach. And he throws an interception that gets run back for a touchdown. And then he gets uh, benched, but then he gets put back in at the very end of the game to try to win it. But he's sacked, and he fumbles the ball, and everybody hates Quentin. Uh, he is the GOAT. Uh, next game, Hokor tells Quentin that he's going to start. And this is a shock to Quentin because he thought that he was going to be benched for sure. Um, and that night, uh, Quentin gets a job offer from the Pirates, who are his favorite team. Uh, but they tell him that if if he wants to play for them, then the Krakens can't make the playoffs. So there's this kind of uh, mobster thing that's going on here. So they say he has to throw the games um, or at, at least make sure that his team doesn't make the playoffs. So now it's time for Quentin's first game as a starter, and the Krakens go down early, and Quentin is convinced that it's because of uh, Hokor's play calls. Um, And they – it's just a – it's a bad game, and mostly because the offensive line that's supposed to protect Quentin, uh, they play terribly, and they're all aliens. And uh, Pine tries to yell at them and tell them to protect Quentin more, but they just don't listen to him. 
and the Krakens lose big, so now they are at one win and two losses. After the game, Pine tells Barnes that he has to be more opening and accepting of other races, especially the giant alien linemen, if he wants to win. And Quentin is surprised uh, when he realizes that it actually turns out that Pine is really trying to help him, and so he decides to go and shower with these big scary aliens, and then another teammate... Uh, Shyatt offers Quentin a job smuggling drugs uh, because football players make side money smuggling things because they have immunity. They have, like, diplomatic immunity. Um, And then Quentin turns down the job with the drugs because all he wants to do is play football. Um, And then Quentin decides to let Denver and Milford, who are a couple of the alien receivers, um, work with him. And uh, the Krakens have – they have to win their next six games in a row if they're going to make the playoffs. And Quentin starts to get to know the other players, and uh, then the next game, things get a little bit better, and Quentin chews out his players, but um, he's mostly just frustrated because he can't call audibles. He can't change the plays that the coach is calling into him. Uh, But then towards the end of the game, things get better, and Hokor does a fine job making calls. It turns out he's actually a really smart coach. And Quentin scores a touchdown, and he gets his hand ripped up in the process. And uh, the doctor wants to do this special thing with uh, technology that they can do to heal. Uh, he wants to take him out. out of the game. But yeah, he, he, it would heal it, uh, but he would have to take him out of the game to heal it. And so he, uh, Quentin just grabs a stapler and staples his, <laughs> staples his hand shut. And the doctor hand-held, is... A handheld sewing machine for jerseys. And uh, the coach is really, or the, the, the doctor is shocked at this because it will leave a scar and Quentin just doesn't care. And he goes in, he throws this uh, huge touchdown on a long bomb. The Krakens win, and then Quentin passes out from his injuries. But now he has the respect of all of his teammates because they can see that he's really tough. And, uh, and he's starting to treat them with more respect. Um, and so everything looks good, but Hokor says that he's going to let Pine start uh, because now he's healthy again. And Quentin is furious because he knows, uh, he has found out that Pine, that the mafia uh, pays Pine to uh, throw games, to, to, uh, to tank. To, uh... So he has, we find out later, that Pine has immense gambling debts and that in order to try to pay off his debts, he throws games. Uh, and um, Quentin is really, really, really mad about this and he confronts Pine and Pine tells him what's going on, and uh, Quentin is just uh, beside himself with the fact that this guy is the starting quarterback, even though he loses on purpose sometimes. With Pine at the helm, uh, the Krakens win the next game, and uh, then the mobsters that wanted Quentin to throw games, they try to beat him up because his team won, but his teammates come and protect him. And, uh, and then the next game is against a really good team called the Orbiting Death and uh, Pl- Pine plays poorly, and Quentin is 100% certain that Pine is trying to lose this game on purpose. And so he's really, really mad at Pine. But he doesn't know what to do, because if he confronts the coach, then basically he ruins Pine's life. Um, if he tells the coach that, that Pine is trying to throw the game, uh, if he doesn't, then they lose and they don't make the playoffs. And so he decides to get some of the drugs from, the, from his teammate, and he drugs Pine and knocks him out. Um, and then with Pine out of the game, Quentin immediately gets in, and he runs 62 yards for a touchdown, and they win the game easily. And now uh, they're actually in contention for the conference lead despite their early losses. And there's a victory party after the game, but Pine isn't there. In fact, he is in the hospital because he has been beat to a pulp by the mobsters who uh, beat him up for not losing the game. Pine, Quentin is in a quandary because if he if he tells the coach what's going on, then Pine's career is ruined. And if he lets Pine play and Pine wins, then the mobsters will kill him. And if Pine loses, then they don't make the playoffs. Anyway, it's just a big mess. And uh, so Quentin calls a secret meeting. And he tells the team that they're going to go and pay off Pine's debt to the mobsters. And so they go to this seedy uh, club, and they pay off the mobster, but he says that, that he's going to charge them more. And they have a huge, incredibly violent fight. Uh, and they win. And so Pine is technically free. 
Um, and then Quentin leads his team to a big easy victory in the next game. That makes four in a row. Now they're five wins and two losses. Next game is against the uh, the War Pigs. They're first in the league at six and one. And then uh, Greedock, who is a mob boss and the owner of the Krakens, finds out that Pine had thrown uh, some games, and he calls in Quentin. Uh, to tell him that he knows this, and Quentin actually stands up to Greedock and defends Pine and says, you know, don't kick him off the team, don't disgrace him. And uh, and Greedock says, well, Pine's playing days are over, but he can stay on the team. And Quentin, you're now the starter, uh, but if you lose, then I'll kill you. So the next game is against a bad losing team, and Quentin totally dominates, but at the end of the game, uh, the tailback, the running back, Fayed, is killed in what I will call a horrific and gruesome and graphic way. Yeah, and, the weirdest part about his death is that the entire book, they're saying, oh, Mitchell, you hit him and he hit him and he just pops back up. He oh, Nothing keeps that human down. Yeah, and this does. Dying. It's super sad. It is very sad. Um, and then later, Quentin gives a rousing speech about the playoffs and how they just have one game to win, and they will be champions and make it into Tier 1. And their next game is actually on Earth, and it's against a team called the Texas Earthlings, uh, appropriately named. And in practice, the backup tailback is injured, and now there is nobody left to play the position of tailback. So Quentin offers to play tailback, and, and then he sa- tells the coach uh, that he wants Pine to be the quarterback. And uh, Hokor doesn't want this because he knows the Pine through the games, but he accepts so that they can have a chance to win. And in the game, the Krakens start out playing well, but Quentin is getting pounded. And when I say pounded, I mean he is really, <laughs> he is really getting pounded. Um, and uh, because they're winning, so in football, if, you're, if, if your team is winning, what you want is for the clock to run as fast as possible. And the best way to run out clock is to just give the ball to your running back and let them run. Uh, which means that because they're winning, Quentin has to run more and more and more, and he's just getting punished. Um, and, like, he needs blood pr- transfusions, and his teeth are all knocked out, and he's in a really, really bad shape. He's knocked out. There's a running gag time. throughout the book about one of his teeth getting knocked out. Oh, that goes on for every for book. <laughs> Eventually, he says, oh, I got hit in the face, and I feel something hard in my hard in my mouth, and I, without even checking, he knows what it is. Yeah. It's his front right tooth. So then the Earthlings switch to this old-school triple-threat offense that the Krakens have never seen, and they become totally unstoppable, and they take the lead. And, but then their quarterback gets hurt, and so they stop running the triple-threat offense. And now, by, by now, Quentin is – and I'm just going to say this because I just finished Parks and Rec uh, Season 7 today. And I'm going to say Quentin is literally nearly dead. He has lost <laughs> – he has lost a ton of blood. He has been knocked out multiple times. He cannot remember most of the game. Uh, but then Pine starts talking smack to Quentin, and he's being a totally jerk and uh, a total jerk, and he's calling him a racist and everything. And Quentin gets really, really mad. And then Pine throws him the ball, and he runs on this long, uh, this long run after a after a screen pass. And it turns out that Pine was just goading him because he knew Quentin plays better when he's mad. And the game ends. The Kraken wins. Their, the Krakens win. They're heading to Tier 1, and everyone is friends. The end. Great summary, Todd. Thanks. I will just say for our listeners, the sports action is very different. Uh, when it, It's kind of like when we do musicals, and we just kind of skim over the musicals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, like uh, that hit all the, all the right beats, but... Some of the sports action written by Scott Sigler, I actually was like getting very, uh, like I starting to feel like real sports fandom happening with some of the descriptions of how the football players were going too. in the book. I was, uh, I was really into it. Like, uh, I think that's some of the, the, some of the best stuff that happens in this book are just descriptions of the games and, you know, play by play stuff that happens. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, Jeff, let's, yep. uh, why do you enjoy this series so much? I honestly have no idea. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I've said on our podcast that watching sports is one of the most boring things I could do. Like, it's just, oh, good, that team has the ball. Oh, now that team. Now, I mean, even a team from my home state is doing rather well in a sport I hear right now. I, I really couldn't care. Like, what, isn't the Jazz doing really good right now or something? But I, Yeah, they're doing great. I mean, I don't know how they're playing tonight. They're probably getting Yeah, don't, don't say anything about how they're playing tonight, guys. <laughs> they, are playing, they are playing the NBA version of the War Pigs, we could say. <laughs> yes, yeah. The Jazz are not expected to go out of the series, but they just won a series in the playoffs. Yeah. 
So yeah, like that. None of that. I don't care about that at all. But like, well, you're not a big oh, sports like, fan, like uh, like Nick. Yeah, uh, yeah, Nick uh, from fandom as well. He's he's a big sports guy. He loves all that. I just I, I don't care. I will say I that every that time too. I listen to these books, I want to play Madden though. I want to <laughs> put Madden in my Xbox. It's like yeah, I, I, yeah, okay, I'll do it. It's fun to listen to him simultaneously. It's do it while playing. It's fun. Listen but, to the book uh, while. Well, there's just something about this, something about these books that's just like, maybe it's the way they're written, or maybe it's putting sports from the perspective of the quarterback is more interesting, because instead of, hey, so-and-so's going to tackle such-and-such, it's, that guy's going to kill me. I need to believe. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. I honestly have no idea why I love these, but they are my favorite things in the world. So is it, the, is it uh, if, we, if they say at the beginning of this, the little, their little intro says... Star Wars meets The Godfather meets The Blind Side. So you have there's a sci-fi element to this and there's this like crime story element of this and there's a sports element of this. Which of those three resonates most with you? Uh I would think a combination of the space and crime. Okay. Like the intergalactic smuggling essentially is what it is. Like the only reason all the team the te- all the teams are owned by criminals because the ruling aliens don't search those ships to avoid racist attacks the whole the whole idea of the gfl is to create unity amongst all the races so they don't decide to uprise against the ruling Kretorakians. but you know it's that would so also really sa- there seems to be a layer of the politics of bread and circuses like give the people the entertainment so that they don't yes. care as much that they're being ruled over by these other aliens yeah um i was what really surprised how strong the say- sci-fi oh i was just gonna say I, I was surprised how strong the sci-fi world building was like when i hear outer space football like football was what was dominant in my mind as i was preparing to listen to this um but i thought there was some really good world building that happened uh that i if if you're a fan of sci-fi that would still play to your interest even if you're not a fan of sports like you jeff i so did you like joe did you like the the sci-fi stuff the crime stuff or the football stuff the most I'd say the sci-fi world building and the sports descriptions were my favorite. The crime stuff um, felt more like background of the sci-fi world building than like a prominent point to the book. Yeah, I think I would say I like the sports the best. Um, I feel like the world building had potential, and I'm sure that it gets fleshed out more in the other in the other books. I mean, it, it, he's obviously there's a there's a lot of material here. And we're just barely scratching the surface with one book. But I love the, the, the football stuff was great. So <laughs> there's something for everyone here. <laughs> yes. One thing that I enjoyed a lot, and I think you need this for sports stories to work outside of sports itself. Like for a good sports TV show or a good sports film, or in this case, uh, a sports novel. Like you need to be exploring some of why sports you know matter <laughs> like what, what happens with with sports um or also like maybe at times why sports don't matter as much and it never became like the primary thematic point of the story but there were some good nods to some of the strange place that sports holds in our real world um so like when uh quentin makes it to tier two and he's just amazed at the medical like what exists as far as medicine goes, <laughs> like it, it, his world didn't have any of that. But then even when they're out in these, uh, he, you know, he's leaving the outer rim and he's going into the more of the main galactic area, but he sees like right outside of the stadium are people who need the same medicine that he gets casually given to him by the team doctor. And it's not available to anyone else. Um, so there's this weird, uh, economic system that gets developed around sports that seems a little out of whack. Uh, and again, it never becomes like the main thematic thrust of anything but there's a few nods to that that, that creep up uh, throughout the entire novel yeah like he, he makes a point of saying there's better medical technology on the sidelines of this football game to get players between plays than there is on my entire home planet like yeah it makes you kind of uncomfortable at times to think oh wow i like i met a boy who lost his arm in an accident maybe this could have saved his life but you know but because he's in the church and I got to be football, he's going to stay there. And I, I got to leave. So, and I think that tension exists in a real world, uh, be it looking at stadium funding deals that professional teams are able to get where, um, cities that are, 
you know, don't have the deepest pockets in the world offer hundreds of millions of dollars of tax incentives or even outright money to sports teams to stay because it's part of the the city identity or, you know, or whatever other reasons are going on. Like there is a real world tension in the economics of sports and it gets played out on the galactic scale of the series. Yeah, it's if I feel like he's he's touched on um I mean it, he's done what good science fiction should do, which is touch on real uh issues um and then uh exaggerate them in a way either because of um technology or size like um population just it, everything's bigger in this uh in this series. I mean in this story the planets are bigger and they have huge populations. There's tons of money going around. Um, and not only do we sort of, sort of worship football players, but we actually really do worship football players. Um, and it's cool that he's able to just take, uh, these real life, uh, elements, concerns and, uh, and exaggerate them to a point where it puts them in uh, better relief. You can see them better. I think I like that. Um, one other thing, which I think we've already touched on some when I mentioned that it's uh, the football kind of gets treated as bread and circuses. Like, you keep the yeah, population yeah. fed and entertained, then the ruling class can do what they want. Um, but this idea of sports as distraction from uh, more significant issues, and it reminded me of another podcast called The Bugle, which John Oliver, who now has an HBO show, he used to be a co-host on The Bugle, which would uh, just make jokes about the weekend news. And when the London Olympics were happening, the hosts of The Bugle, both John Oliver and his co-hosts are from uh, London or, or from, from England. But they would uh, begin the show by talking about like barely beginning uh, a, a discussion point on something really serious, like what was happening in Syria or, you know, something, something. And then the other host would yell sports. And then they would just talk about the London Olympics <laughs> and they would just interrupt <laughs> all the real world stuff just by yelling sports. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, just talk about sports as this kind of, uh, this surface level thing that's pleasant to talk about and think about when we don't want to have to deal with anything else. Uh, and, this is book one of a five-part series. I'm guessing we find out a lot more about what's going on in the galactic politics of this ruling class of aliens, but there's enough here that you can already tell sports is being used as a distraction to a lot of other things that are happening uh, in terms of these interspecies relations, in terms of the economics of what's going on, in terms of uh, the politics and what is... You know, there's going to be something else going on with this ruling class of aliens than what we get in book one. But... Uh, for Quentin and for so many of the fans that we meet uh, in the series, it's all about sports, and they don't care or think about what else is going on. What do you make of this idea that um, that sports are like uh, socially acceptable? Um, it's like it's a socially acceptable outlet for xenophobia, and that <laughs> or for, for prejudice, actually... yeah, where. Like yeah, sports but, hate is an acceptable form of hate. Like a fan of Ohio state can say, I hate Michigan and that's right. socially acceptable, but other forms of and prejudice people, exist, but they're, they're frowned upon. Right. And there are people who would say a human is going to hate. Like that's, it's built into us as humans to, uh, to hate people that are different than we are. And so why not have, a structure that's built around that that gives us an outlet for our our xenophobia or our tribalism, um, and and maybe our world is you know actually better because m many of us uh, you know get that aggression out in other ways that <laughs> you know don't cause as many problems as they would if we didn't have that and uh, and we became tribalistic in in other more uh, I don't know less. Uh, less socially uh, acceptable or beneficial ways. Um, Jeff, do you have any thoughts? Uh, the first thing that came to mind with this is the, with the racism was his entire church taught children at young ages, how to kill the other races or the sub races as they call them. And they have yeah. funny little poems for each one. And I've always gotten a <laughs> kick out of those horrifying poems, but yeah, I, I can't, I, there are so many times in my life where it's just like, I see BYU and I was raised as a University of Utah fan, fan in quotes, because that's where my dad went. Anyway, and it, I see BYU and kind of go, but why? I, I don't know anything about that person except, oh, they support a different college in the my home state. 
Like I, we recently I remember, sold something online, and the guy had a BYU sticker on his truck, and I thought, "Oh, you charged him extra, right?" Ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, remember in, there's in the, grad in, school, I had a. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Don. In grad school, I had a professor, and he was like, he was walking through this really great logical argument about why sports don't matter and bread and circuses and all the stuff. And in the end, I was like, "Yeah." But I still care. <laughs> like I know that I shouldn't care, but I do. And I'll turn the TV on every Saturday all through the fall to watch my team play. And I care. And if they lose, I can't sleep because they've lost. And if they win, I can't sleep because they won. And uh, it's I'm just a mess because of it. And and there's a there's a part of me that's uh, you know like the the PhD part of me that says this is crazy. You've just uh, you've just been sucked into this thing and it's a big distraction and there's another part of me that says i don't really care because i really like it well at the end of the day is is it any different than watching sci-fi or something it's like i know what i'm watching doesn't matter in the long run but who cares i'm entertained i'm entertained they're getting paid who, who cares well i think like we talked about how sports can act as like the socially a for, uh, you know, a socially acceptable form of prejudice where you hate someone just because of what they're wearing, but it also creates bonds and helps to overcome that. Uh, like Quentin, he bonds with his teammates in a way that for him playing in the human league would have been unthinkable. And I'm sure that happens in sports that prejudice get overcome within a team. I mean, there are myriad films about the idea of racial prejudices being overcome through sports and through, through bonding in that way. Um, but Wait, sports and racism overcoming in movies? No, what? no, yeah, that's not the plot of every sports movie. Uh, but then there is this, like Todd said, this remaining part where it's like, but there's still sports builds this insider outsider status, this us them uh, dynamic uh, within fandoms, within teams uh, that, like you've both said, is is weird <laughs> and, and a little a little pointless. Uh, other than maybe acting as an outlet for more egregious and as Todd said, you know, problematic and not healthy in any way, uh, outlets for prejudice because humans seem in some way to be built to fear the other. And if the other could just be sports fans of a different team, that might be better than basing it on gender, race, economics, or other things. And, I think the and difference... it, uh, you know, a, a different kind I, again, like there, you could point to dozens of examples of real-world sports headlines where that uh, sports hatred became real hatred and had horrifying yeah. results. Um, but for the majority of fans, you know, it it remains in in a you know not physically unhealthy space. Yeah, I, I just, um, I mean, the difference for me, going back to Jeff's comment about, is it any different than you know watching sci-fi on TV or something? I would say I think that it is because because of the social element. Because when I watch, I don't know, um, Parks and Rec on TV or Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something, um, it doesn't that doesn't impact in any way my relationship with any other human being. Except, I mean, it's just me watching TV. Maybe my wife, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but sports are by by their very nature social. And they, it's about, uh, you know, a team from a place going to another place and engaging in conflict uh, that then gets resolved inside of, you know, limits. And I just think it's a, it's a different thing. And there's a part of me that thinks it's terrible. And there's another part of me that thinks it's great. And then there's another part of me that thinks maybe it just kind of is. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. I don't know where I fall on that tonight. Yeah, because there's I mean, just the way you were describing it just now, it made me think about like the, there's the regional provincialism that can be built up around teams, which is why cities, you know, like the real world economic things, like over and over, NFL and Major League Baseball and uh, all these professional sports that are, you know, billion dollar entities are getting hundreds of millions of dollars from cities to build a stadium when they're already playing in the city in a stadium. <laughs> You know, but, well, you, but can't, you can't let them play in the same stadium. That'd just be ridiculous. That other right. one is dozens of years old. Dozens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the regionalism is, it, it really is a thing. I'm moving, um, you know, this summer I'll be moving to Michigan, this little tiny town in rural Michigan that's exactly 90 minutes from Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Michigan. 
and I, in my heart, I'm like, okay, so uh, so where am I gonna, you know? The correct answer, Todd, is <laughs> I have to have Michigan State. I know. <laughs> I know this is in this company. I know the answer to that question. And it's not because of any provincial regionalism of where I went to grad school. <laughs> it's because right. they are the best <laughs> team, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> they are literally the best team. <laughs> oh, Chris. Oh, man. That's awesome. I just think sports are fascinating. It really is. And, I mean, we're not even getting into uh, the the like um, exaggerated levels that all these issues could reach if we touched on um, like European soccer and oh, yeah. fandom. Uh, like, like when we talk about American sports rivalries, be it NBA or, or NFL or college sports, which all have levels of these issues. I think the, in on earth, the highest levels are, are for soccer, right? Are we all on board with that? <laughs> sure. Yes. <laughs> um, and you see, like, um, well, I mean, just touching on, like, some of these issues, in the last week, there has been news in out of Boston because a fan used some racial slurs against a, I want to say it was a Baltimore Royal player, uh, and, like, there's been all this discussion about what does this mean for Boston's identity and Boston's history and uh, how how should Boston, <laughs> the Boston Red Sox, react to this and you know, all these other things, Um but in some of the commentary, they point out that, like, in Europe, they have, at times, had cities lose the right to have fans in the stadium because of the way the fans have acted towards yeah. opposing team fans or opposing team players. And there will literally be, literally, uh, be, literally. Uh, be a soccer match with no fans in the stadium uh, because of, <laughs> of bad fan behavior. It's a professional you know, it counts for the league standings and everything, uh, but the no fans. It, it's just silent, which would be so weird for me. I, I would imagine as a soccer player <laughs> to try and play in front of that. Uh, I heard a story once that soccer organizations were uh, that doesn't sound right, but anyway, soccer fans as they were coming into the stadium, they were searched for weapons because a fight was going to happen, so they started improvising different weapons yeah. just so they could fight the other team. Like that's ridiculous. Like it's intense. You're not even playing. Why do you care? It's one thing for two players to fight each other on the field, but fans? We have not really discussed Quentin Barnes as a character. Oh. You mean football's so... not a character? Football's a character. <laughs> no, I, I love this conversation. Uh, but uh, what do you guys make of Quentin? I like his arc. It's not an unexpected arc for this kind of story. Um, to go from, you know, uh, wow, top of your game to suddenly, I mean, it's, it's the classic arc for any, like when you jump up a level and suddenly everyone's better than you, even though you were the best at what you were, you know, that's what, uh, you go from college, you know, you, you're the top at your high school and you go to college and suddenly everyone got scholarships to that college cause they were the top in their, in their high schools and your confidence <laughs> dips. Uh, and that's happening for him, uh, in terms of sport. Uh, so like a lot of the beats, um, even like the gambling being brought in, like it wasn't terribly unexpected, but I enjoyed it as it came through. And I enjoyed Quentin's like self-reflective commentary that happened, mm-hmm. uh, that the, you know, the novel form allows in a way that can be clunky if it's being done in film or television, where you end up with like over, voiceover narration that sometimes feels out of place. Uh, I thought it worked naturally in this book setting to have some things. I, I cannot remember if this is from book one or book two because like i said i've started a start book two and this is an exact quote it was just there was a moment where he expressed the sentiment that he could log- logically separate the prejudices he was taught as a child from the reality that he was now experiencing with these other aliens like you know the the way they were built yeah. up as as monsters and they were given nursery rhymes about how to kill every other alien species and taught that as children but emotionally he did he was still having visceral reactions <laughs> at times uh to interacting with those and I just thought that was a really um, well put uh, discussion of prejudice, um, of human prejudice, uh, and again using the heightened reality of science fiction to lend some insight into human character uh, and the character of Quentin Barnes specifically, but something that still feels applicable to to people in general. What do you think about Quentin, Jeff? Uh, I have so. Uh... As I was listening to this to prep for this a while ago, we had got a new guy at my work who was essentially Quentin. He was, 
he thought he didn't have he wasn't the best before but he thought he had all the skills he thought he was ready he thought he could do everything and just kept saying no you can't like we like oh i can i can get on that welder right now like no you can't because you're not certified like we don't care what little things you've done in the other shop this is we and so i was like wow this is i take pity on don pine (laughs) because now i'm in this scenario where i have to teach him but he thinks he's yeah anyway um i Quentin Barnes is interesting for me also because I was 19-ish when I first read the first book. And then it seemed to be – I've, I've been aging with Quentin, which is kind of weird to think about. Uh, some people aged with Harry Potter. I aged with Quentin Barnes. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see how he went from essentially racist, doesn't want to talk to anyone who's not human, to, all right, I got to get over this or else I am going back to that racist – planets and where i'll be the best in an all human league which who doesn't like who doesn't want that or who wants that so the there are now five and going on six books in this yes series. uh how big, uh, how long um how long does it span is like each each one a season so, so now he's five seasons in or is he yes. like an old man now or no yeah it's a one season at a time okay right? so it's like this was the 26 the 80 Four, what I don't I forget, uh, but yeah, each the next book picks up around a few before a preseason of the current football. Season. So yeah, he's still he's in his early twenties still. And without without um, spoiling those novels, do they? Because part of me, I mean, this was this was delightful. I can't say wow, this is the most amazing thing I've ever read, uh, oh, but I liked wrong. it. And I like, <laughs> and I like the, I like the story. I really like the football elements of it. And I think Quentin's an interesting guy. But my question is, like, where where does he go from here? There, does he just there is a does it just keep like keep repeating the same thing, or does this now become about his parents? So or... there is there are as the books go on, football kind of takes smaller, uh huh, smaller things, and there's overarching stories of like uh, of more of the of some of the football of the politics of him like i said meeting that detective to try to find his parents is okay. that his thing so there is football slowly becomes less and less but quentin barnes just wants to be the best football player he doesn't care the rest of the galaxy can take care of themselves he just wants to play football so there is a football season in every book but there are more things like in the what happens if one of his best players is offered a trade because for another position they need, that's a big plot point coming up. Okay. And well, I guess, is it kind of a, you know, in some way, is it kind of a hunger games thing where like the game, the, the games themselves become less important as the politics become more important. Kind of there. Yeah. Again, without spoiling, there are politics that they kind of change within the sports themselves. Like, uh, at one point, they try to introduce a new species into the game, and the entire universe is like, no, hold on, you can't just go adding more species, <laughs> and, they're, and Kraken's like, why not? And so, that's a big that's a big uh, issue. And yeah, there is, an, there is an overwhelming threat coming of some sort, I, sh- I can say, but there is... And is there... Yeah, it's not just, hey, it's this season of football. Okay, now it's this season of football. There's, yeah. there's more drama. Is there a lot of um, is there a lot more change in Quentin's character, or is his he kind of reached maturation at this point, and it becomes about the the new mature uh, Quentin interacting with the world? He still has flashes of his racist tendency of like uh, like if he gets angry, he'll use the racial slurs like you, you cricket oh. or salamander or whatever, and. But he's never like I'm a changed man at some point and whatnot. He, you know, he's still at, at his heart. He's still like I. I have a hard time, but I know I can trust you. Like he meets uh, a gay man, and in his religion, and in his religions, religion, uh, being gay will get you burned at the stake. Wow. Like will get you burned alive. And so he's like, but so being gay is evil. But I have to trust you. I have to like you. I I'm not. I can't be that guy anymore. So. Uh-huh. He still has to get over his. Yeah, he's still learning. Interesting. So, he's still human. I, I mean, I said like 
a lot of the beats of this story weren't all that shocking. Um, but why do you think that archetype, and this is for both of you, of like the prodigy that falls and then rises again, why is that a story that we see regularly? I would think that if it was just someone who, if Quentin Barnes just came in and immediately took over the starting job, it just wouldn't be an interesting story. And why would people care? It just makes it, it gives them an excuse to root for him. If he's the underdog, he has to... Right. You Even know, though he was a prodigy, he becomes the underdog right away. Yeah, he's the prodigy against all humans. But even he says, that's not why do, like, what's the point of being the best to all humans when the galaxy doesn't even respect the all human league? You know, it's, you want to be the best. You have to, you, if, if you, if your character is striving to be the best, they can't already be the best. Uh, I think it's, it's just a, it's, it's a classic hero's journey arc. The only difference being that the beginning of this, while it looks like he's on top of the world, he's on top of a really crummy world. <laughs> right, he, has, so, he hasn't um, crossed the you know any barriers yet. <laughs> right, and and so I mean it's just so clearly like crossing thresholds and meeting gatekeepers and building a fellowship and having moments of crisis and practically bleeding to death right like there's this whole symbolic death thing in this final game where he is literally dying uh and then he comes back to life um and so the and that that arc is just satisfying because it's an archetype and it's it's hardwired into us i think um i've never seen uh, it told as an intergalactic football quarterback i never have either um but this uh, the, the one thing the one other pattern that was stood out to me um, is there's a there's a pattern that they talk about in leadership uh, that teams go through and they say that the the stages are what do they call them I'm not gonna get it right forming storming and then norming and then performing so the the first part is the forming stage where the team is getting put together and it's usually okay. Um, and then you have the storming stage where everybody hates each other. Uh, and then you have the norming stage where everybody starts to like each other. And then the performing stage where they're all really good. Um, and this is, uh, I don't know, organizational behavior people say that organizations and teams go through these processes. And uh, this this follows that pattern really, really closely. As you, as you were describing it, I was just like checking off stories where i'm like yep oh yeah yeah yep okay <laughs> those are the beats <laughs> so like apollo 13 does this and uh tons of sports stories the mighty ducks and hoosiers remember the titans, and, uh, remember, the titans remember the titans absolutely. yeah they all do this even do, I, um, a lot of heist films when they got to get the team together they i go think through yep. that. i think they do this in every mighty ducks film <laughs> producer andrew yes expertise <laughs> of mighty ducks <laughs> and and uh and the world could do with uh, more mighty ducks references i really i really believe that <laughs> but um uh the the nice thing about knowing that that's a pattern it's sort of like uh with the hero's journey it's nice knowing that the hero's journey is a pattern because then when you're in the middle of the you know in the belly of the beast you're like hey i'm gonna make it out of this because this is just a pattern and i'm in the crummy part of the pattern but then i know how this story ends because all stories end like this um, and when you're working with a team and all of a sudden nobody gets along, um, people that, uh, don't understand the pattern can be, can have the tendency to say, well, this was a horrible idea because nobody likes each other. Uh, whereas if you understand the pattern, then you say, no, um, we'll get this worked out because this is what teams do. Uh, they have norming stage and they have a storming stage, but pretty soon we'll be in, uh, we'll be, uh, uh, what forming, then, uh, storming, then norming and then performing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I think we see this, obviously, within uh, individual stories, but now that we're in the world of sprawling uh, franchises, I think we're going to see more and more of these kind of chapters. Like, Captain America Civil War is a storming chapter for the Avengers franchise. Yes. But just the Avengers film yeah, the had, Avengers had film, all of it in, in and of itself. Yeah, the Avengers film had all of those, but now we're seeing, like, across films, you can say this film is kind of fitting more that that mm -hmm. chapter of this larger saga. And, and you say the Avengers film is... is Forming, and then you get, but you have the microbeats of each one as yeah. as storming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's just, it's a sort of a version of the hero's journey, and I mean we see that a lot where you'll see a, a trilogy 
where the f- trilogy itself forms an entire hero's journey, but inside of each one of those three films, you'll also have sort of a mini, a mini hero's journey. And that's, I mean, there's a, a million examples of that. Yeah. We've talked about them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts on Galactic Football League or Quentin Barnes? I really like this story. And, uh, and I like Quentin. And I'm glad that he has lots of stories. And I hope he finds his parents. <laughs> and I, I really loved the fact that they were available as free podcasts. That was delightful. Yeah, so listeners have zero excuses for not listening to this. Because you clearly know how to download a podcast. <laughs> yes, you just look, uh, again, uh, The Rookie uh, and Scott Sigler should should pull it up in your podcast. I would say the, one of the things that surprised me, and it shouldn't surprise me because it says at the beginning of every chapter, um, this is rated something and contains graphic on-field violence or something like that. Yeah, but it's my goodness. For these ages, but it does have on-field violence. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like most of this is so... Uh, benign, and then all of a sudden, something will happen either on the field or in a fight, and it, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't believe he just, uh, you know, just described that thing in that way. Um, so there are some really shocking moments of violence uh, in this otherwise really tame uh, story. But um, if you're, you know, if you're squeamish or if you have kids that um, that might be, then I would be careful. <laughs> uh, but it's a, it's a cool story. I liked it. All right, uh, Jeff, we, you are a yes, first-time sir. guest, and we always ask our first-time guests when we remember. But there are a few exceptions where we've forgotten. <laughs> I almost um, messaged a you – know, there's been a few that thought, hey, you didn't – anyway. Yeah, uh, but we, we try and ask first-time guests uh, the dinner party question because on the Protagonist podcast, we are all about great characters. And so if you could host a dinner party with any three to five great characters just to enjoy the conversation that would ensue, what characters would you want to have around for an evening of conversation? Okay, so I don't know how good the conversation is going to be, but it's going to be a fun party. Um <laughs> I thought about uh, so we're gonna get John Tweedy from this book, who we didn't really mention. He's the line. He's a linebacker on the defense. He's insane. Human. He's human, yeah, but he's insane. There's a point later on in another book where they say they point. Someone points to John and go, "Is he? Is he a uh, retarded?" And Quinn just looks at him and goes, "Yeah, probably, but he's my best friend." <laughs> so, uh, him, uh, Rocket, and Groot, because I want to see John Tweedy, John Tweedy fight Groot. Because you know it's going to happen. So Rocket and Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy. Just, yes. Yeah. For for any listeners who are unfamiliar. And with for context for you guys, I chose to record this instead of going to see that. So volume two. So. Oh. Uh, taking a few, a few uh, uh, couple dollars out of Todd's grand tally in our oh, box office. Go see that movie, oh, Jeff. Oh, no. I, we already have our tickets for tomorrow. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good, good, good. But <laughs> we're just saying yeah, you're tomorrow. Gonna see I'm, I'm going to go see it tomorrow. And Todd yeah. will... I I will also be going to see it tomorrow with my wife. <laughs> oh, so maybe I should go see it tomorrow too. <laughs> We're in the middle of this move, and I hadn't even uh, thought about it hardly. Hardly, <laughs> but it's it's tickling the back of your mind because well, you I want to get the, the lead. Uh, I checked the Rotten Tomato scores on it a few different times. <laughs> <laughs> I've been looking to see the box office predictions. Uh, you're gonna get the lead again, Todd. Oh, on that whole. Uh, movie sorry, sorry, uh, no. Jeff. Your your party though. We, no, so we I'm, have TV on your movie draft that you're talking about. Uh, that is an idea that I'm going to try to convince Brandon to steal. For next Please year do. Because yes. <laughs> convince Brandon to make instance. a website for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what we really need. If only we knew someone who could do that. <laughs> Brandon. <clears throat> oh, sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, but so we've party? got uh, Tweety and we've got Rocket and Groot. Yeah, and I might throw in John's brother, Jew, who we meet briefly in this one, but he comes a more prominent character. Because they're just both big dumb idiots, and they seem <laughs> they seem like my kind of totally. People. <laughs> okay, I don't know, and maybe I I probably wouldn't forgive myself if I didn't say like the Doctor or Captain America showing up as well. Because you need a level headed person. The Doctor is your level headed person. <laughs> well, compared to a raccoon, a tree, and the Tweety America. Brothers. <laughs> the Doctor or Captain America, because they're basically interchangeable. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Why not? Well, I mean, I look around my room, which is very nerdy, and I think, ah, I've got so much Captain America stuff up, I should probably throw him in. <laughs> but yeah. I like Captain America. And of course, yeah. 
Who doesn't like? My son insists on calling him the Captain of America. Oh, well. <laughs> hey, you'd think he'd been promoted by now, but you know. Yeah. I kind of wish he was the Captain of America right now. <laughs> uh, you should read Secret Empire. Just a okay. book that just started. Okay, that wraps up this episode. Thanks for joining us. Please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in Apple Podcasts, and please leave us a review there. It really helps us out. If you're a new listener, just a note about our back catalog. We switched up our format a bit at episode 13, so our first dozen episodes are a bit meandering in terms of discussion and length. But if you enjoyed this episode, you may want to check out episode number 92, where we talked about Remember the Titans, or episode number 20, which is about The Hunger Games. Uh, links to things we've talked about in this episode are at protagonistpodcast.com. That's also where you can find a list of all of our shows. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at protagonistpod, at Todd K. Mack, and at Jay Dorowski. Our producer, Andrew, is at Andrew underscore Dorowski, and you can uh, send him a message about any Mighty Ducks questions you may or may not have. <laughs> uh, Jeff, what's the best way to contact you? Uh, all my social media is at Jeff C. Dumas. That's Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. You can add me on Facebook if you feel like it. I don't, I'm not active on social media, but hey, if you feel like following me, Jeff C. Dumas. <laughs> all one word. Okay. And the fandom podcast. Oh yeah. That thing that I should probably plug or else Brandon will be upset. Uh, yes. The fandom podcast. You guys have all been on it. Past and future guests of the show. Well, I probably shouldn't say future. That's not my call. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Our last episode didn't wow. go that well. so just... <laughs> well, No, no, it went fine. Just the last time we had a guest, we couldn't do the, we couldn't post the episode, which, well, I guess you guys backlog. So yeah, I'm not going to go ahead and take that out. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, for, oh, I, I just realized like, oh, we're planning on having someone literally this week. So which episode are we talking about? <laughs> anyway, yes, fandom podcast, fandompodcast.com. And you guys you guys are on Facebook uh also? Yes. It's the fandom podcast or the pan- fandom po- I don't know. If you search for it, you find it. Okay. Yeah, it's big. It's a big colorful logo. It says fandom in big words. It's a great logo. It's a great logo. You know, if I were a professional in some way, I would have uh had this information ready and <laughs> It's okay. Uh, our, fast, our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonist podcast, and we have great discussions there uh, with all of our listeners, and we would love for you to say hello anytime. If you would like to support the show financially, there are a few different ways you can do that. You can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by clicking on the support link on our homepage or going to patreon.com slash protagonist. All supporters on Patreon receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers. You can also go to protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon to make all of your Amazon purchases. Just a reminder, it looks exactly like regular Amazon, and it costs you nothing more, but we get a small kickback from your purchase. And finally, don't forget to sign up for a 30-day free trial of audible.com by going to audibletrial.com slash protagonist. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back again next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. And this week we are joined by special guest Jeff Dumas fr- uh, from the. Uh, let me do that again. <laughs> I, like naturally, I started to say from the fandom podcast, but that wasn't in the script. And then I was like, "No, go to the script," and then it was just a mess. Uh, okay. <laughs>